Welcome back to another week at Drone DJ. And this week, for those of you who are part of the um, model model air airplane clubs communities, or if you're in Canada, you probably heard about the rules of Transport Canada canceling a uh, max exemption. So MAC is the Model Aeronautics Association of Canada, and that's equivalent uh, to AMA in in states, right, Kirk? Yes, yes. Also, by the way, today is also Friday, not Thursday. Uh, don't don't be like me and wake up and think today's Thursday because uh, <laughs> you'll get a message from Ife being like, "Hey, I'm ready for the start of the stream." I'm like, "Oh, I'm okay, cool. I'm still." <laughs> <laughs> so someone hasn't done a research yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I came in this like I, I watched a little bit of it when you messaged me earlier this week about it, and I'm like I don't do a lot of the hobbyist like groups, like I just kind of fly on my own because you don't need to have that here in the United States really, and it's not. I live in Wisconsin, which is very has a very big aviation community, but up in Oshkosh, not mm-hmm. down here in Milwaukee. So I don't really know. I know there's like a few sites down here with AMA, but I don't really know. Like what they right. are. I know so, up in so Oshkosh. First, let's like, let's talk about so what different. is what is MAC, what is AMA. Mm-hmm. Um, both MAC and AMA are fairly supportive and encouraging aeronaut model aeronautics clubs, right? Yep. So back in you know general aviation time, especially at the beginning of uh, of aviation, you know there are a lot of um, enthusiasts who like to build their own model airplanes, try different things, right? Try different design, you know, fly them remotely, and that's their hobby. So both MAC and AMA are designed for hobby clubs. So one of the most important thing is actually location. So clubs have their actual designated location where members can go and form a community and fly their network, share information faster, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. youth, you know, um, fostering youth who are interested in aviation. So many of the pilots who are actually flying uh, planes nowadays, many of them had had came through MAC or, or AMA in their early days because that's what got their interest, right? Because it's always difficult to go and actually fly a plane, but, you know, you can get started with assembling and building little model airplanes and trying them out. So that was really the intent of, um, of both MAC and, and AMA. Now, I guess the challenge happened when drones came into the equation. Mm-hmm. Our drones model aeronautics are drones you know part of well those who fly recreationally with drones are they still part of that club and adhering to you know the rules and uh, the principle of the model aeronautics club so that was always the one up for debate um and what it really came down to in so what happened in canada in the past few months actually they started towards the end of the year in december in last year december when uh, mag had done a self-assessment to reveal the compliant status of their flying clubs. And the challenge is they found that about 15 of their sites weren't actually following the safety requirements. And we're talking about especially the sites that are within controlled airspace, so close to major airports. And that's what triggered, you know, they voluntarily disclosed this information to TC and they've issued a no-fly to the clubs to stop flying activities until further notice. Um, basically, they're trying to base. They're trying to find out how to manage the compliance status for their own site. And the reason being is in Canada. Again, this is a little different than states. So in Canada, even uh, if even if you fly recreationally or commercially, you still need to get your pilot license, right? Versus in states, you only get Part One Hundred Seven if you're flying commercially. But in yeah. Canada, you still have to get it as long as your drone is over two hundred and fifty grams. Except when there are exemptions, 
and Mac is one of the exemptions. So if you fly on the Mac Club as a member and you follow the safety rules, you don't need to get your drone pilot license. That's so, for a lot of the FPV、uh, yeah. guys to race because for us, one of the main rules of the license is visual line of sight. You've got to have visual line of sight,、mm-hmm. um, and that's why a lot of the FPV members go fly. They have their their racing leads with the Mac clubs because they're flying. Obviously, they're flying among trees, you know, through obstacles. It's outside of visual line of sight. So、yeah. Mac had actually collaborated with、uh, the FPV racing league、um, when the new Rex came out. And it's been, you know, working pretty good. So they have their racing, and then Mac has their model aeronautics, and they're all governed under this exemption. No one had to go get license. They do it safely, and it's all good until Mac discovered their clubs aren't actually compliant to their own safety rules. Yep. So, so here's here's how the show's gonna work a little bit. I don't really have an opinion on this <laughs> because one, I'm not Canadian, and also like I don't do like the rugby a lot. So I'm gonna. So the goal is I'm gonna play devil devil's advocate for whatever the opposite opinion of Efe's. However, I don't know what Efe's. Well, I'm、is. here to talk about facts, <laughs> right? Number one, I'm here to talk about facts, and、I'm... number two, we're here to talk about safety because safety、yeah. is number one rule, right? We don't we don't we don't want to have any accidents or incidents happening that's gonna hurt the whole industry. My goal is still gonna be trying to find what her what her thought is, and I'm just gonna play the devil's advocate and just see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, and maybe at the end of it, I'll actually form an opinion. Because I still don't really have an opinion on it. Because also, I don't really know how it all works. But now, the more you explain it, the more I understand it. So, because like, because down here, you can be part of AMA, and and you don't really have to get a license for anything. But as soon as you do anything commercially, you need to have a Part One Hundred Seven. Right. So that pretty much makes AMA at least for drone. And also, you don't need to be part of AMA to fly drones. As long as you're not in controlled airspace, you can fly anywhere. There's really no regulations. Well, okay. Every so often, states and cities start. Signing you know, ordinances and laws that we'll have to figure out whether or not they're constitutional. But、uh, you know, as long as you're flying in the area you're supposed to fly in, you don't need to be part of you know a club at all to be exempt from the rules that are up so, here in Canada. Yeah, okay, before the current, it's very very different down here than it is up right.、There. So before the current licensing program in Canada was the same thing, right? It was if you fly、mm-hmm. commercially, then you go apply for the certificate that allows you to fly. Uh, but if you fly recreationally, then you can just go fly. That was the rules before 2019, before our pilot licensing program. And the, the the challenge is always people try to sneak through to say, "Hey, I'm not flying commercially," or someone who's flying commercially but says, "I'm going out for a job," versus I'm practicing or I'm not getting paid or I'm not putting the content online. So someone can can wear two hats to say, you know, half of the time I'm doing commercially, half of the time. I'm not, and it always came down to a, a really, a really difficult justification.、Um, it was never easy to put a clear separation line to say what's commercial and what's recreational, right? You can't just say, "Hey, you、mm-hmm. you register for business and then you're commercial," but if you're individual, you're you're recreational. That didn't really work. So the new licensing program is the approach is called a risk based approach. So it doesn't matter、um, what you fly for.、It、doesn't matter the reason you're flying. It's all about number one, the drone you fly, the weight of it, and number two, where you fly. So if you fly a drone that's over two hundred and fifty grams, and you're flying in complex airspace, like if you're flying close to, you know, a major international airport, then it doesn't matter if you fly commercial or recreational. You have to get a license. And I can see this from, you know, regulation or from enforcement standpoint. Is if you fly really close to a major international airport, I would be more worried about the recreational flyers. Than the commercial、mm-hmm. flyers when it comes to safety, right? Now, 
do Canadian pilots have to go through something like LANC to uh, get approval to fly close to your uh, airport? Yeah, so we have a NAV okay. drone, which is similar, gotcha. right? So a navigation, you know, NAV Canada um, controls the uh, or oversees and manages the controlled airspace in Canada. Gotcha. So gotcha. it is an app, you go online, and it's fairly straightforward. So 99% of the time you have your account set up. If you're not flying in the center control zone, um, and you can live with a bit lower altitude, like 200 feet, 300 feet, depending on how close you are to the airport, then it's actually an instantaneous approval. So basically you get your drone registration and your pilot um, uh, certification number verified on the system ahead of time when you set mm-hmm. up your account, right? So you do that once, set up your account, and then every time you fly in controlled airspace, you submit where you want to fly, how you want to fly, and like I said, 99% of the time is instantaneous approval. So they basically just know who's flying over there. Yeah, that makes sense. So again, it's a little, it's about the same here in the United States. It's a little, little different, but pretty much. Yeah. So going back to, I mean, Canada's approach is always, as far as Transport Canada states it, it's always a risk-based approach. So it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. who you are, where you fly, it's always or why you fly. It's always coming down to um, what are the risks associated with your flight, and if it's considered complex or in that advanced operations, then you have to get a pilot license regardless of what you do it for. Gotcha. gotcha. Except Mac. Except Mac. Mac seems to just be, it's, it's just a blanket exception to all. That was all always them. that was always the exemption is mm-hmm. if you're on Mac Club and they have their own set of safety rules. So if you follow that, then you're fine. You don't need to get a, I, I mean, license apart. Actually, license is not the most challenging part. The most challenging part is by having a license, you have to adhere to all the rules that applies to your license, like your maximum yep. altitude, right? Like you have yep. to fly within visual line of sight. You have to respect the um, manufacturer specifications of your drone. So you can't fly, you know, when it says minus 10, you can't fly in minus 20, right? When it says wind, you know, up to 40, you can't fly wind up to 50. So there are a bunch of, you know, rules, just like if you drive a car, you, you shouldn't speed, right? You shouldn't, you know, run over red light. Those are similar rules when it comes to you have a license, you have to follow those rules. Um, obviously, if you fly FPV, most of the time you're outside of visual line of sight. You're flying around objects, you're racing, yep. right? Or if you're flying, you know, model planes, you assemble that. <laughs> so that plane probably didn't comply to, you know, the safety standards or manufacturer certification uh, that's filed with Transport Canada. So by having, by being on the Mac Club and following the rules, you get to do all of those things on Mac Club and not having to worry about the rules. So that's why the FPV racing guys and, you know, those who like to assemble their own model planes and trying different things, Mac is a heaven for them. But as we yeah. said, the issue is, again, going back to safety, right? Going yeah. back to this is Mac's own self-assessment that discovered their clubs weren't compliant with their own safety codes. Now, this is only, all these exemptions only live within the Mac sites, correct? Or they, Correct. Yeah, and that, we have okay, over okay. 400 sites in Canada. Like every major city, yeah. there's there's at least one. They're or not two. hard to come by, I'm assuming. They're not hard to come by. Yeah, and apparently the AMA sites are also not hard to come by. I just haven't looked them up either. So okay, so I mean, those yeah. are those are the general principle. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about specific problems with uh, local Mac clubs. Number one, even since beginning of time. You know, drones and um, the RC, the model model airplane flyers, didn't 
get along too well. I mean, even among Mag or RC Club themselves, the helicopter helicopter guys. So basically, your VTOL, your vertical takeoff and landing guys, and the fixed point guys never really got along. I mean, we have specific like yeah, I can totally see that. Not, not, I can see that not they're not getting along. Especially, I feel like I feel like a model flying a model airplane around a drone is is way worse than having like a like a, an actual piloted. Uh, aircraft flying around because they're both hard i mean for both pilots are hard to see but for the remotely pilot you're looking at the plane you're not looking like behind you to the left of you like all around to like find that little drone it's also harder to find probably on the ground than it is like in a cockpit but and plus most of the rc are are fixed wing so they have to have their takeoff you know runway they have to have their approach for landing so they have specific (laughs) flight pattern versus drones can you know buzz around everywhere it's not right. as elegant as uh, right. as just putting it down on the grass and taking it off. <laughs> so that's number one. They have their own internal conflicts. Number two is they're uh, personally the clubs I have seen, you know, around Toronto, I haven't seen much of management that's really mm. coming down from Mac. I mean, first of yeah. all, most of them are open fields anyone can step on, and I haven't seen anyone actually validating the membership status. Interesting. When you go on site. And plus, I mean, in Canada, we also have, so we have we have two exams versus in States, you only have part 107. But part 107 is an in-person theoretical exam, right? In Canada, mm-hmm. it's two exams. You do an online theoretical exam. And that gives you a basic license. But if you want to go for advanced that can fly in controlled airspace, you have to go for an in-person flight exam. We call that the flight review. So that's Transport Canada authorized instructors or flight reviewers. So someone has to actually watch you do a minimum 15-minute flight and make sure you're not mm-hmm. crashing, that you know how the drone handling is. Um, some, not- so Mac clubs are supposed to be for recreational activities. Yeah. But we have seen um, flight instructors who actually you know, do the commercial drone pilots licensing and examination. They've chosen to do that on Mac sites. Because mm-hmm. obviously they have facilities, right? It's difficult, yeah. you know, near any major city, it's difficult to find a, a nice several acres to say, no one bothers me. No private is going to come on. Like I'm not doing it in a park that a kid is going to run into me, right? So it was always challenging, you know, for a lot of the smaller independent uh, flight reviewers to find a location to do it. So many of them chose to do it on Mac site, which technically speaking is not allowed. Do you... Sure. Okay. You're not supposed to have commercial activities. And when you do yeah. an exam on behalf of Transport Canada, you're getting paid. That's a commercial activity, right? And you bring a member onto the site. Mm-hmm. So now, from what, what I have seen be... is there hasn't been much of compliance, really, or management. Yeah. Now, if you're, I'm assuming this doesn't getting paid, it would be like, if you're a Mac member, you fly a drone on a Mac site, and you're like, hey, could you get some drone footage while you're doing it? That would probably be commercial, so you'd have to go through and get a license. You wouldn't just be able to do that for Mac. Well, again, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, if you're being paid for it, of course. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I mean, there are so many things that had been happen on Mac sites that mm-hmm. you know, no, not not much of there, enforcement management. Yeah. There's no it's, TC. There's no Transport Canada people walking around and, and like managing this at all. Or Max Mac's there. own people. Yeah, or Mac people. Okay, gotcha. And then, old. plus, on top of that, is it's pretty difficult to get into actually a Mac member. Hmm. It's not actually easy. You have to because each what is the process? Club, each club you know process? is run. Each club is run by you know that that affiliated club. 
So they mm -hmm. have their own designated managing people, you know, and they have to, you have to contact basically them to get approval to be accepted as a member. So and, there's there's a possibility of some of these clubs just being kind of like closed off communities that don't let people in that they, that they don't know. Is, is there a possibility of that happening or no? They're just, I wouldn't say that they're, they're closed clubs. It's just there's no consistency. Like there gotcha. isn't an actual process to say, here are the requirements. Here's mm -hmm. how we there's do it. There's not just a general form that you fill out and give it to them. There, there's to a general form you give out and you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know if someone's going to get back to you. You don't know if mm -hmm. the club has capacity. Um, And then plus in, so when, when Mac was established, um, they had, they had pretty good training programs, right? Almost like mm -hmm. a master taking an you know, apprentice type of program. And it, it's always coming down to someone who's a little more experienced because it's recreational. No one's getting paid. It's voluntary, right? Yep. So it's, it's really about someone who has more experience, wanting to foster the next generation, wanting to share their experience and knowledge with the next generation and inspiring them to get into aviation. That was always the general concept of the model aeronautics clubs is you're supposed to be open, not just open to new members in the next generation, but open to new technologies and new things. And really, to me, is that 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 principle or that goal has really been lost in the past 10 years. We're seeing them more opposing to new technologies and new things versus being open, you know, to what's mm -hmm. new and what's possible. It's interesting. This is very. I'm trying. I'm like trying to think. Like I'm just trying to ask questions. Like I'm just trying to figure out like what what the thoughts on this because I feel like just the blanket. So have you even got have you even got to the point where they just blatantly removed uh, in the story yet? Because I feel like we're talking the whole process. So like they've. I'm trying to say it diplomatically, but yeah, yeah, a lot of them are so are, are blatantly rude. Yeah. Well. Okay. So we got to the point where like no, for so transfer Canada, they've removed now the exemption. They've canceled. They've yeah. canceled the exemption. Which means this affects both um, drone pilots who want to fly at max sites, but also anyone who flies remote uh, control. Remote, so only uh, only aircraft? only members only members of the Mac Club. So it doesn't matter if you're a drone pilot or yeah, Mac member, airplane, as long yeah. as you're part of the Mac Club. Uh, as of as of now, officially, they have a little over 9,500 9, members. That's okay. the official so number. With the ex with with I watched a video of a really angry old man uh, mm -hmm. talking about this. That's my only background. So pretty much what so they they just signed away that, that the exemptions no longer exist. Like they're, they're done now. Yep. So and Mac had officially issued uh, even since December. Mac had officially issued the no fly to its members. Mm -hmm. So, so those members can no longer fly at all? Uh, from some of the clubs I've seen, if your club is okay. in uncontrolled airspace, the club members can go get a basic license, which means passing the online exam. Okay. And they can fly at the club, but they have to be, now they have to follow the drone rules. They have to follow basically the actual pilot licensing rules. So they, they have, have to, to fly with the line of uh, sight. Um, yeah. Yeah, as close as a group that isn't regulated, isn't closely watched by anyone, they have to follow it. So you have to go get a course and learn it. But you probably the chance of of probably the amount of people that actually like following the rules are like probably pretty low. I mean, I understand why some of them are angry. I mean, those yeah. who actually follow the rules and utilize, you know, Mac Club mm -hmm. to to conduct or or really for the purpose of practicing and you know teaching. A lot of Macs are you know really like you know, granddad bringing their grandson over the summer and try to show him something fun, try to do something fun. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, you know, to me, that part is really nice. And it's those people who actually follow the rules, do it safely and still try to adhere to the principle. Those are the ones getting angry. 
Right. I have yeah, I, I won't mention I do have like two stereotypes in my head of the people who fly at Mac and there's 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 that one who's super nice and there's the not nice people. And I could totally I I'm just gonna those are the two stereotypes I have in my head of a Mac members probably like they're in those two factions. Uh, and the ones who follow the rules are probably really angry. And the ones who don't follow the rules are probably also very angry because they're both can't fly. Right. Uh, at the moment. Okay. So Mac. So I mean, it's winter in Canada. So yeah, they it's also winter. On, so they're, they're, they're are aiming to have something in place by mid April of this year. Yeah. So before, you know, spring, before the official flying season starts here in Canada. Okay. Is there any information I might need to form my opinion? <laughs> I think I'm four minutes, but I want to make sure I don't have more information. First of all, uh, I want to I want to take a guess. I think Ife's opinion is that she's just frustrated with the whole system as a whole. Uh, and that's just her opinion. Well, and my then... okay, so <laughs> let me speak my own opinion. <laughs> okay, you know, that's just my guess. You go ahead. My opinion is on the bigger level, Mac as the organization mm-hmm. needs to sort, you know, their management out. Okay. They need to have a way. Yeah, they need to figure out what is it they're doing and how they're actually how they're actually being compliant, how they're actually managing yeah. their members. Okay. Yeah, that that seems like a very valid like thing to do. <laughs> like any sort of group. I, I should, maybe I should just go check out the, like the local AMA group and just see how they're run and just compare it. Maybe we can compare between Mac and, and AMA. But so here's here's I think so I think this is my opinion. I think what probably happened was I, I bet lawmakers tried to find a way to separate the drones and the model aircraft and they couldn't write a write it in a way that actually would separate it because it would always be the gray area mm-hmm. and so they just did was okay well we can either continue to have these issues with you know because drones are just inherently i think more problematic than model aircraft just because they are smaller easier to obtain easier to fly anyone who has any sort of more bad intentions are just the bar is way lower. Right. So they continue to have this kind of this, this loophole around the whole licensing system or they just shut it all down and they don't have a loophole anymore. They've pissed off a lot of model aircraft people. They can still go and fix it and just get a basic license and fly or get a, like there's still a way for them all to fly. It just shuts down that loophole. Um, or at least what I look like as, as a loophole. So my opinion is, it's not a terrible decision. It's probably, I think if I would, if I would, if I had to make a decision, I would probably make the same decision. I'd say it's, it's meant to happen sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And I, and I, it's had been boiling for a while. And I don't, I don't know what would happen here in the United States because I don't think model air, I don't know how big model aircraft are in the United States. I think it's pretty big, but I don't also, uh, we already have a pretty robust system for drones. To the, for for use, and we're coming up with a remote ID as well in the future for requirements. So those are we have a pretty remote system for drones that are separated from model aircraft. Um, so I I, I I think this is kind of like a Canada trying to like yeah, this is an old system that we had that we kind of have to fix. Okay, so my take on the remote control community, you know, actually, actually for me when I was a kid, my dad actually opened the first um, uh, RC shop in my city really? with remote control cars and airplanes while I was in grade school, right? So I like, I grew up, you know, building it and having fun with it and I loved it. And I, mm-hmm. to me, is I, I want to see the clubs. It's almost like, you know, the newer, the newer RC clubs are like your STEM camps, right? That's where kids yeah. are going this day. They're not going to the actual RC clubs anymore. They're going to STEM camps. They're going to, you know, 
robust competitions. Um, that's where they're going. That's the kind of the new and hip and groovy things these days. Mm-hmm. Versus like when I was younger, it was RC was you know the the cool thing that all the kids are doing. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember growing up having kids. I have kids in my class getting like a remote control plane. It was it was more cars, but there was a lot of planes too. Yeah, but that was that was the cool thing to do when we were kids. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to see like basically to me, I like to see Mac coming up with the feasible business plan because although it's a non for profit, although it's a club, but every club needs to have you know sort of a vision and a business plan that can evolve over time. And so far, it hasn't. So what I can see is like even in Canada, the the actual having an actual location for people to fly and having some structure and facilities on site. It's difficult to come by. So if yeah. I were them, I would talk to STEM camps. I would actually try to, you know, rather than just dealing with the FPV racing guys, I would try to actually, I mean, their whole mandate was getting youth inspired into aviation, into technologies, yeah. right? Why not, you know, collaborating with STEM yeah. camps and having some kids camps and get them exposed to different technologies? What is the route with, with the FPV drone racing now that in Canada, now that the, the Mac Exemption is gone, like because you say uh, in the licenses you, you still have, to have visual yeah, line license of sight. you have to do visual line of sight. So, is there any I mean, exemption in with TC that lets you do? Is you have to be able to, like, there's no way the entire country of Canada has it's illegal to fly FPV drones. So, two ways you can do it. One okay. is you can have spotters, right? So, as a okay. pilot, you can yeah, wear I'll, goggles, but yep. you need to have a spotter, someone who can still keep a visual on. Uh, where the drone is and then the other one is if you really want to do beyond visual line of sight you have to go through the what we call special flight operation certificate yeah Yeah. the so it's it's the same pretty much as as us you you have to have an observer you know observer and i mean should there be better rules to allow you know fpv and a little bit of beyond visual line of sight if you ask me yes there should yeah although i think that having just just having an observer is probably just fine for fpv work at least just if you're doing fpv stuff you should probably always have it like if you're going to do drone racing, even with the observer, because you're flying yeah. around, you're maneuvering around objects, mm-hmm. even with observer, the observer, it's not like the observer is going to go run along the drone and making sure, yeah. you know, they're always keeping an eye on it. Yeah. I, I mean, like with like the drone, you're always going to have people there. Like you just have officials there when you're doing a race that have, that can keep an eye on yeah, the drone. You can have, so you, there, there used then, to be also what's called a max sanction events. So they mm-hmm. can also sanction events in different locations when, you know, like a, almost like a miniature air show, right? Like an RC-based air show. You can still have those. Um, I mean, we, we were always talking, like, especially for FPV guys, we were always saying, yes, we understand even if you're one millimeter off the ground, that's federal airspace and you're governed by airspace. But would be nice to say if I own my own property and I'm flying or somehow I can make sure I'm flying, let's say, 10 meters and, and below, Right, I should have a little more freedom to doing that. So far, we don't. Yeah, yeah it seems like there's like it's just like where's the line? I guess like of, of what's safe and what's not. Well, we need so, Skynet, I guess. Yeah, is that is that your version of remote ID? Almost, yeah. Because okay. you know, you know, my opinion on remote ID is from drone perspective, we're happy to put remote ID on. We're happy to broadcast our location, you know, intentions, mm-hmm. altitude, etc. Uh, as long as the counterpart from general aviation is doing the same, as long yep. as they're enforcing the small single engine, you know, airplanes to do the same. Yep. Especially, if, or have the same rules where we need to have remote ID if we're flying in controlled airspace, but if we're in uncontrolled airspace, we don't need to have remote ID. I feel like that's also a good compromise, but that's not going to happen. Oh, great. It's already, yeah, basically, it's already written in, in law and it's already going to happen. So it's, it's there's no change in it now. 
is everything everywhere. So now you have to change the other counterpart. Like, okay, fine, fine. Put remote ID, put ADSB in every aircraft, require it no matter where you are, ADSB. But then again, also the FAA, which has very low abilities to regulate its, its pilots already. Uh, so being able to well, same thing here in Canada. New regulations. We have we have rules. We have regulations. We don't have much mm-hmm. of enforcement, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I feel like it's it's every every kind of like aviation authority has that has that same problem where they just don't have enough. There's more pilots than there are uh, anything else. So you, I, I guess, in my, I guess we're going off the tangent here, but put it inside the plane. We we can't. It's inside the drones for us. Uh, we don't have a choice to put it mm-hmm. on. So go to you know, Cessna and be like, ADSB is built in, you can't turn it off. <laughs> so, all right, that's, that's, that's enough of the tangent on, on every mode. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's enough on this one subject. I know we're, we're supposed to see updates before April, so we'll stay yeah. close, you know, on this subject and uh, get updates for everyone. Now, just to wrap this up, while this is happening in Canada, in <laughs> FAA is actually allowing the night flight request for recreational flyers, yeah. which I, is I good news. This- yeah, I saw this come out, and I'm like, oh, I have to bring this up to EFA because we're already doing the Mac thing. We have to talk about the FAA <laughs> making things easier. Um, I, I tried playing with, with uh, Aloft. So, so, so the the thing is, is that uh, Aloft, um, at least Aloft announced it. I don't know if it's just Aloft or if it's going to be all land, land, uh, providers. Um, is allowing uh, with the FAA to, if you want to fly during night, because usually if you're recreational, you have to fly between dusk and dawn. You can't fly any time between. You know, you have to have daylight, and. Uh, now you can use the LAMP request to fly during night, you know, make the request and, and get approval from the FAA to fly just for recreational use. Um, I tried playing around with a, a Loft app the other day and I couldn't find it. Maybe it just hasn't been updated yet. It sounded like it was already out there, but maybe not. Maybe it's coming on a future update. However, that's it's awesome. Like, it yeah, I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know I, until I played around the LAMP. I just always assumed that like, I don't have like my like the license set up with a loft yet, so it's just the base app. Um, I thought you just needed to have a license to even like make a request. So I, I just it gave me the automatic approval just even to fly in the airspace uh, with a uh, uh, without a license set up in it. So I don't know. Um, so I guess now lack yeah is is able to be used by more than just part one hundred seven, especially the night, which was it was already like I think it was only I think you had to get a waiver. Um, period no matter if you have a 107 or not so now you can do just a straight plant request which is so much easier than doing um yeah i do like requests through the app it is yeah. much easier it's just sure. so much easier and it just sometimes recreational pilots want to get that nice nice shot of the city skyline or something yeah like that i mean especially yeah. if it's at night um mm-hmm. i i do well, like you, perspective you have less flights different. anyways yeah. it's actually i think night flying at night while is nerve-wracking <laughs> when you start doing it um it's good practice safer yeah, yeah. It, i think it's actually safer than when you would find it today because i there's no crop dusters flying around there's no general aviation you know like enthusiasts flying their cessnas or or whatever or bonanzas <laughs> flying around at low altitude um, commercial flights are not as prevalent at um at night as well the only thing you really have flying around even it's not even that prevalent here in milwaukee is it's cargo uh it's, oh. as, 
Yeah, it's cargo fly. Yeah, and birds. Birds. It, birds, birds don't fly as much during the night either, unless they're nocturnal. But there's not a lot of nocturnal birds here in Milwaukee either. So that the biggest issue is seagulls, and they don't they sleep at night. So, uh, like, so, I feel like it's actually nicer to fly at night than it is at uh, during the day. So the headline reads, you know, Mac issues no fly in Canada, while in the meantime, FAA is allowing night flights for recreational <laughs> yeah. flyers. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the complete opposite going on right now, which is usually not how it works for the United. States usually the FAA is the much slower <laughs> or yeah. restricting things. So, well, that's all we got for you for this week. We'll see you back here next week. Have a good one.